Need to order. Thank you. So we are calling this uh, meeting of the board uh, budget and audit committee for the City College of San Francisco Board of Trustees to order. It is uh, 4.37 p.m. and we'll start with roll call. Uh, Linda or Grace, if you would. You're my disappointed. <laughs> uh, Trustee Martinez here. Trustee Chisty. Oh, but you're Trustee Chung. Present. Student Trustee Brandt. Do I say present? Yes. Mm -hmm. Present. You have a quorum. Uh, and I am here. And I'm here too. <laughs> <laughs> so we do have quorum uh, for this budget and audit committee. Uh, we'll now um, just look at a. We have a notice about public comment. Uh, public comment for this meeting, um, other than comments on items not on the agenda, will be taken on each item as it is discussed. Requests to make public comment must be submitted in advance, no later than thirty minutes before the start of the meeting, via email to public comment at ccsf.edu. Um, or via phone to area code 669-444-1266. Please submit the following information, your name, the meeting name and date, the agenda item number, the phone number if participating by phone. At the appropriate time, the speaker will be unmuted. If you are attending the meeting in person, you may fill out a yellow card at the meeting to make public comment. So thank you. So now we'll take items uh, not on the agenda for public comment. There is no public comment for items not on the agenda. Okay, thank you so much, Linda. Um, we will now move to our minutes for May 11th, 2023. Is there any amendments or is there a motion um, to approve? Move approval. <laughs> Second. Okay. All righty, so it's been moved by Vice President Martinez and seconded by Trustee Solomon. Um, we'll take the roll at this time. Okay, student trustee Brand, advisory vote. Brand. Student trustee, I'm sorry, can you say Brand, that? advisory vote on the minutes. I'm going to abstain since I wasn't. Trustee Martinez. Yes. Trustee Solomon. Yes. And Trustee Williams. Yes. So the the, thank you so much, Linda. The motion has been moved or passed. Um, I don't see our land acknowledgement. I just, uh, we didn't do the land acknowledgement. We haven't been doing it at the committee meetings. Okay, okay, just wanna make sure. Okay, great, so we'll move to uh, reports and I will turn over to Vice Chancellor Alamine to walk us through the 2023-2024 uh, tentative budget. So Vice Chancellor Alamine, take us away. Hey, thank you, Trustee Williams, trustees, Chancellor. Um, I don't know who is driving today. But we can pull up the Dr. Almin, document. If you, if you may grab the screen so you can walk. Oh, us that would be it. great. Thank you, Chancellor. All right. Let me grab the screen. And I'll be happy to pull this up. There we go. Yeah, this is the correct one. 
as indicated in the draft for this, again, we're presenting the general fund budget for the district, which includes uh, our, our fund 19, which is our parcel tax. Um, there are no, at this point, no additional changes that we currently have within the tentative budget. Uh, there still waiting, however, for the final budget to be approved from Sacramento in order to see if there are any changes either up or down in regards to state revenues or any changes at all to some of the other anticipated items. Um, we have no changes thus far in any of the local revenues as presented previously. And we had discussions regarding enrollment fees and the bog waivers and how this is applied um at this point we have no further changes there will be some adjustments we were informed um from associate vice chancellor clara star that for our health insurance offerings they are expected to increase by approximately 14 percent so one of the adjustments that we'll be making um, during the upcoming week prior to presenting to you the final tentative budget is to make an adjustment in the health and services line, which would be within all of the 3400 series. So these will, we're going to compare what some of the current plans are and then make the appropriate adjustments within the different categories uh, in order for us to mitigate that cost increase. We don't have any other anticipated cost increases at this point. Um, and so with that, unless there, again, we're again looking to get uh, input and direction from the board regarding any specific items that they may have questions about um, so that we can clarify or include them in the final plan that will be presented to you in two weeks. Great. Thank you so much, Vice Chancellor. Um, are there any trustees? that have questions. Yes, uh, Anita Martinez. Yes, Vice, Pre Vice President Martinez. Excuse me. Uh, I, I just don't know what it is. Uh, capital outlay, outlay 6102, site improvements. Is site improvements are related to the different equipment and different other facilities and capital outlay items that are required for the maintenance of our five facilities that we operate throughout the city. As you recall, given the issues with the failing boilers at four of our locations, we required a board authorization and approval to go out and to spend the $2.6 million that was provided this year um, in order to provide and replace outdated uh, equipment in several locations. Um, we have roughly about a $61, $62 million um, deferred maintenance backlog. So having appropriate funding set aside within our current budget and these funds or these expenses are not bond related. So having these funds or having funds available um, within the district budget will allow facilities and buildings and grounds to mitigate some outstanding, longstanding deferred issues, um, and this funding would provide them with the assistance in order to do that. Thank you. That's a very helpful information. I just didn't know what it was. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. And um, I'm not able to see the hands. 
because the camera is pretty far back. Um, so Vice Chancellor Alameen, if you want to, it's probably hard for you to see too. Um, is there any other trustee questions in the queue? Uh, trustee Solomon, do you have your hand? Yes, thank you. I am uh, wondering if I'm reading this correctly, the tentative budget that we're working on is based on the adopted budget, the 22-23 adopted budget. And I'm wondering why it's based on the adopted budget and not the actual um, expenditures and revenue with, with, with projections for the month of June. Because I the, feel that that would give us quite possibly a more realistic view of what has been um, spent and what has come in, especially with expenditures. Some revenues, I realize, can be fairly accurately predicted. Mm -hmm. um, some of the, the adoption budget um, as we build this, the prior year budget normally serves as the base budget for the following year. And even while there may be changes, say, within different line items, from a macro level, we look at the overall expenditures. And while we have this detailed sheet here to kind of show you the ebbs and flows and the ins and outs of how we have parceled out this funding, we make changes when we go to do the final tenant or the final adoption budget in part based upon the actuals, because for right now, we don't know what our final actuals will be in any of the categories with the exception, for the most part, 90, maybe 98, 99% of our salaries will be able, will be able to roll those into the next fiscal year. But there are charges that are made for benefits, there are charges that are made for supplies and expenditures that still occur during the month. We still process those changes during the month of July and August. So those are reflected when we go to do the adoption budget. But we use the overall sum to kind of set the baseline for where our expenditures are. And as you can see from the percentage changes, as we look at what may change from year to year, we still use what we have currently up to date and use a end of year forecast to make changes. For example, as you can see in the schedule 1120, while there might have been $22 million budgeted for faculty salaries, because of the coding of different positions, we readjusted that number for the next fiscal year to roughly 30 million to reflect our understanding as to where we actually will end this year. And as you can see, we made the change down in 1323 in order also to reflect the same. So we do make adjustments based upon expected end of year numbers but the number the number that we normally pay attention to is the overall number because anything within this major category we can shift and move with budget transfers as long as it's within expected program needs and that's normally how we oversee and we manage the budget so we look at the final number we make adjustments we do use the final actuals or tentative actuals once the auditors come in to make any adjustments as needed but as you can see, we tie the expenditure totals within categories to the actual revenue. So at the end, when you see the adoption budget, and also for practical purposes, the tentative budget gives us authorization and approval to begin expenditures as of July 1. So it's a starting point for us. It's not the end point. 
The endpoint is what we present and what we will provide in the adoption budget, which is in fact adjusted based upon what our actuals are for the prior year. So it's a process, it's an incremental process where we make changes in order to align with our adoption budget for the next fiscal year will be based upon the prior. Because when we go and do comparisons, we do wanna compare between what the adoption budget was in a prior year compared to what the adoption budget is for the next fiscal year. And so that's what we use as the benchmark. So it will change for the adoption budget for this year once we get to that during the month of July and August after we have full reconciliation of where our expenditures are within the various categories. So we'll get there. They're ju we're just not at that step yet. Tara Williams, may I ask a follow-up? Another question? And absolutely, thank you. Absolutely, um, Solomon. Thank you. Uh, I was looking at the column that is actuals for 21 and 22, and I compared them to the audited actuals for 21, 22, and in uh, nine different line items, there are differences. Some are less and some are more. And I, uh, again, wondering why we're working off of actuals that are not the same as the audited actuals. And I understand that audited actuals, it, it's not uncommon for the final audited actual numbers to be different once the, the audit is complete in the fall. Um, we can, I'd be happy to take a look at whatever those specific nine items are that you refer, that you refer to. Um, one of the things that we have here as part of our financial system is that there is no hard close. And so you're correct. While the audited actuals may come in and these numbers reflected should be in part based upon those without looking to see whether the differences between what you're reporting and what is reported here is kind of difficult for me to comment on whether or not that was a change that did occur to clarify any adjustment that was made after the audit was done. So if you have additional information, I'll be happy to follow up on that and provide you with a sufficient answer, but it's difficult for me to respond to it without knowing if the change was a dollar, if the change was $10 or $100,000 or a million without knowing specifically what it is. Um, I, I can't necessarily respond to it, but I'll be happy to look into it for you. I, I can give you the list and- No, no that'll be fine. And I'll take a look at it and be able to report back to you and to the subcommittee and the board. I'll do that today. Any additional questions, uh, trustees? If you could just unmute, if you have your hand in the queue, it's hard to see from this camera. Okay, um, Vice Chancellor Alameen, I'm just curious in terms of um, the timeline. Um, mm -hmm. You mentioned that we're gonna, you know, have several iterations and adjustments. Um, when will we be seeing um, this document again with updates? If if there is if there are no uh, changes that are being or requested by the board, um, or any further direction between now and when you meet on the twenty third, um, we will at least set this as the tentative, the drawing, the starting point 
um, as we begin to prep and move forward to finalize our budget for next year during the adoption budget process, which will occur during the months of July and August with your final review of that adoption budget according to statute by September 15th. But we were hope you know, that if there is any input or questions regarding any of the line items or uncertainty, um, you, you know, we, we would, it would be helpful if we could have that discussion so that we can resolve any concerns or provide any clarifying information that would help the board in making their final decision. Um, because whether it's tentative and still subject to change, we still need board agreement and concurrence on both the tentative as well as the adoption budget documents. Thank you. And then also in terms of the PGC um, process, mm -hmm. um, I just wanted to hear like, um, are we in parallel as the board of trustees to that process or how are we sort of, um, how is that all working out in terms of our review with the PGC review? I would say that the the information and the direction from the board um, provides the guidelines for what goes into this document, which is then shared with the campus governance groups. So if there is no additional direction, um, then this will go forward to our PGC groups. I don't I do not believe that they are meeting during the month of. Uh, I do not believe that they're meeting either this month or next month, but the governance groups definitely will have an opportunity to provide any additional input prior to the presentation of the adoption budget. Um, I think, you know, we've provided various venues for us to discuss um, and just not through the budget committee and PGC. There have been various venues and the board has been very helpful in having the additional study sessions and the time allotted for us to kind of go through and vet um, some of the changes and the things that are uh, being um, included based upon what we know to be um, proposed expenditures for the next fiscal year. But we always have the ability to make time and more time to discuss further as needed to ensure that the campus community is aware of what's included in the rationale for why. Got it. Thank you. And then I wanted to um, direct my next um, question to Chancellor Martin in terms of included in this budget. Um, you know, do you see a sort of staffing up in certain key areas? And just want to, of course, make a plug for uh, Vice Chancellor Alamine's area, the budget office. Um, I know there's um, areas, you know, that have been understaffed for some time. So just wanted you to talk about uh, Chancellor Martin, just a little bit of does this budget include sort of like um, increases in staffing in key areas that we know that we need? Uh, thank you, Chair Williams, and it does. Uh, so the tentative budget uh, presented uh, this afternoon is coming uh, as a recommendation from uh, the administration and the chancellor. Uh, we do have classified positions, our new positions built into this budget, specifically focusing on uh, our facilities needs. So we've got uh, approximately 25 or so new facilities positions that have been uh, presented to a variety of different uh, campus groups over the last several months. Uh, those positions are going to be critical for us to be able to properly respond to uh, our facilities needs that I think are very well documented. Uh, additionally, we do have a core inquiry. Uh, it was identified by the visiting team that uh, we 
need to better document how we approach the total cost of ownership of our facilities and our infrastructure. Uh, having these positions in the budget and filling these positions uh, is a component of our response uh, because total cost of ownership is part of that is making sure you have the proper facility staffing uh, to maintain the 40 plus buildings that we operate uh, each semester. Uh, so that uh, is included in this budget. Uh, additionally, we do have uh, technology positions as well. Uh, as we prepare for uh, the implementation of hopefully a very nice uh, student registration system, uh, we certainly don't want to allow past uh, history to repeat itself to where we implement something and don't have uh, the staffing to maintain it at a level uh, that we all expect. Uh, so if we are going to invest four to five million in a new student registration system, a big part of that is making sure that we have proper staffing uh, to make sure that that registration system is reflective uh, of what we can be proud of. So those two are the major components in the uh, classified line items. Uh, as Dr. Alamine also mentioned, we do have additional staffing for our instructional schedule. Uh, we are budgeting and have released to the department's instructional schedules of approximately 1,022 uh, FTEF. Uh, that's about 35 to 40 more uh, instructional FTEF than what the current year actuals will reflect. Uh, so we are making uh, progress in expanding the schedule, uh, working with our department chairs and the program review process to identify where the needs are so we can get more funding allocated in our schedule. Uh, so we do hope and do expect to see uh, additional faculty assignments uh, for example, as our fall schedule takes shape, uh, we do have uh, approximately 15 more FTEF in this year's fall schedule than last fall. So that is an incremental uh, but sustainable step forward in the right direction to uh, continue to grow uh, our class schedule. Uh, so with that said, uh, I do want to conclude uh, with the staffing is that we do have uh, staffing uh, increases as well in our administrative positions. Uh, as you know, the 22-23 year, uh, we didn't have a PIO. Uh, we didn't have a vice chancellor of human resources. Uh, we didn't have a chief financial officer. Uh, we did not have a senior director of budget or purchasing. Uh, so those are positions that we are filling. Some of them have been filled. Uh, we are interviewing, uh, I believe, either tomorrow or next week uh, for our PIO position. Uh, we are going to release the job description for our new Associate Vice Chancellor of Labor Relations position uh, here in the coming weeks. Uh, so we do have approximately 500,000 or so increase in administrative uh, positions uh, reflective of those positions, uh, and much what much of them will support uh, the work of our budget and our finance team. Because right now, uh, the only administrative position in our finance and budget department uh, is Dr. Alamy, and that's the only one that's filled. But we did just recently approve the CFO position, as well as uh, the Senior Director of Administrative Services or our Purchasing Director. Uh, hopefully, that responded to your question, Chair Williams. Yes, thank you so much, uh, Chancellor Martin. That's excellent news and just really happy to hear that we're getting the support that we need to be able to meet um, all of our other things that we're trying to do here. So it, it's just really good news. And um, I especially want to just highlight the labor relations position because I know that's a lot of work, um, you know, engaging with our labor partners and 
Um, you know, I know a lot of that has been uh, understaffed for some time. So, and of course, extremely happy to hear about the PIO. I think as we can see in the news, um, the need for the, <laughs> for the PIO is so great. And I know we've been pushing for that position for a long time. So thank you so much, Chancellor Martin. And thank you, Vice Chancellor Alamin. If there's no further questions on the tentative budget, um, I, I, I do have one other question. I'm, okay. I'm sorry to interrupt. I can't see your hand. So if folks want to just, just call out, that's great. Thank okay. you. I would like to um, provide um, a little information about the question I asked earlier. Uh, and in particular, and this I saw in the audit reconciliation document. So certificated salaries for 21-22 were uh, $14.76 million less than what is on the actuals. In, and then classified salaries were almost $2 million less as well. Um, a smaller amount, but probably significant under supplies and materials, the total was $543,000. And so expenditures as a total in the audited actuals were $15.6 million less than what is listed as actuals. So these are um, these are significant. There are some smaller amounts too, but these are the ones I'm currently focusing on. And if I may, uh, through the chair, uh, provide uh, maybe some context on that because without the, the information, I, I think we are uh, speculating, but it may be due to the unaudited actuals comparing uh, the 311 annual report, which separates the parcel tax from the unrestricted general fund. Uh, the information in front of the board this evening uh, is those two funds combined. So that might be something that uh, Dr. Alameda and I can look into, but we appreciate the question and that's a, a good heads up in, in what we can look for. Thank you. Thank you. I think I also heard Trustee Chung. I did. Thank you, Chair Williams. I, I just want to take the opportunity to also second um, what tr uh, Trustee Solomon had mentioned about, you know, I, I think the the practice of developing our budget based off of projections from last year, um, while that may be necessary for us as we begin a fiscal year, we are coming to an end of our current fiscal year. And we, you know, 11 months, we, we already know what our actuals are. And, you know, I'll simplify it. I can't imagine right, basing my next year's budget based off of what I had projected before versus what is actually in my bank account. And, you know, if it's not common practice, then I hope if it's, if that can actually, if necessary, uh, to be presented simultaneously um, as the method, you know, as a second method, right, presented um, side by side, Dr. Alamine, if, because I, I think it's, you know, it's hard for us trustees, and I, and I actually want to also highlight something that um, Vice President Martinez had passed out, and um, if we can also share it on this uh, Zoom screen, Miss um, Esteban and, and Miss Shaw, I think, because um, this is this is sort of the the what I'm thinking about, right? We've we've discussed how in um, some of the 
budget study sessions that um, Dr. Martin has provided, right, there's this concept of mandatory, recommended, optional, right? Um, you know, what, what we're trying to do to meet accreditation standards, right? What is actually legally mandatory? And I think it's really hard to sparse that out in the budget that Right. We're Dr. Allen, I mean, you're 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 showing us and we're hoping to approve. It's hard to see where those dollar amounts are and where we can actually adjust them based off of this presentation. And and I've I've brought this up before. It's it's like we're being presented. You're, because there's multiple ways, I'm, I'm sure there are multiple ways to present the budget, but when it's presented in all these different formats, it's very hard to compare spreadsheets. And that makes it incredibly difficult to be a diligent fiduciary to understand, right? And, and this is also something that I'm asking of the administration is that you are able to entrust the trustees and trust the college stakeholders with helping us understand what is actually left over? What what are what is the amount that hasn't been spent in any particular account? Move that into uh, an account that is flexible and pr provide the opportunity for college stakeholders and the trustees to decide what to do with that money, as opposed to cushioning it across accounts. Because we're the the state that we're in is is that we you know we are in survival mode, right? Because we because we have been undergoing underfunding. Um, of our institution pre-K through 14, right, for decades. And if we are to be able to fulfill that goal of, right, that resolve that we had passed in the resolution to have a robust enrollment and outreach plan, not only should we be spending that unearned revenue, we should also be looking into how to tap into funding that that is essentially we we didn't spend right we budgeted for these accounts but we didn't spend and so that we can see how much one-time funding we have we look over a series of years and see that clearly this is not one-time funding this is consistent funding right for us to be able to determine that and it's very difficult to do that if if you're not providing that information as transparently as possible and that's you know and and that's in some way by process because of the way that it's presented across multiple spreadsheets. Thank you, Chair William. I will let Vice Chancellor Alamine respond to that. Yeah. I have some um I, I I I hear the concern. Um I would just say that we don't had budgets. And if I can just for example, I'll take the self-insurance payment for an example. Um if I could share the screen, uh, Grace, and let me, and maybe, because we, we do have this, uh, give me a second. Sorry, if I can, while you're pulling that up, uh, Chancellor Martin had his hand up. Sure. So after you're done. No, I, I was just gonna bring up the audit report because one of the, as this deals with self-insurance, um, this is an audit finding that was from two years prior. And it, it it's not indicative of, of how we, but it goes back to the comment about um, pocketing funds in accounts that uh, um, leave surplus balances. We have several accounts. This is one of them that was deficit spending as of 
June 30, 2020. Um, it increased to 2021. And this is for basically our self-insurance. Our self-insurance each year, and even for next year, is, is about three, it's $2.9 million. And we set aside $100,000 because we have deductibles based upon claims. And so we transfer, now this is the end of 2021. So given prior spending, we transfer $6 million this year in, or, or in 21, 22, I'm sorry. We moved $6 million so that we would cover this deficit and so that we would clear the audit finding. And that's why we ended up with the clean audit. But the a cost for this account is $3 million and that's what we've had budgeted. So we make adjustments in the next year budget. We don't necessarily take everything from the prior year budget, which is why you see the display in multiple years so that you can see that there are differences. But the, the premise is that if this, if this year's budget, if we expend every dollar that we have budgeted, then that again serves as the base for next year's budget, regardless of the categories from which it, it lies, because we again will move it in between those, those object codes. But because the expectation is we're not going to exceed expenditures, although we've had prior years where we've had deficit spending. So we do make the adjustments that are in the tentative budget. But we also still go back and realign because there are some areas where, yes, we have expenditures that are reflected on the monthly report. But as I go through on the monthly report on item C, I will show you that there are areas that, yes, we can predict what they will be at the end of the year. But as of the report that you receive, they're not reflected because of time. And so we've tried to build a next year's budget, understanding the timing of certain issues and making sure that it is aligned with what we expect and what we project to be our expenditures next year. So for this, while we did do $6 million for self-insurance this year, we only are, are estimating and then included in the budget $3 million. And again, this is an accreditation requirement. Um, we've included $3 million because that's the cost that we anticipate for all of our insurance and we have to be self-insured. And so I have all that information, that information, um, can be made available to you. It's not to hide it. It's not It's not anything within the budget we have a list for. There's nothing that's not transparent, but it is required. And when it, if it's not required or if it's not for accreditation, then we want to make sure that you're aware of that. But there's nothing in this budget that we haven't brought forward that is not, from a financial standpoint, required for us to do business in the next fiscal year. And I saw Trustee Williams, your hand was raised. Oh, yes, I forgot that I'm actually chairing. <laughs> okay. Never mind. Um, so yeah, and I just want to say thank you, Vice Chancellor Alameen, for what you just said. I also think like I feel a little worried about as trustees getting into like specific dollar amounts being allocated to specific places, because I think that for me feels a little in the weeds and it feels like our administration has so much more information about what it takes for certain line items. And this, the logistics of that, I think like for trustees, like we want to put out the outcomes that we want to see overall. Like we want to make sure all of our students are completing. We want to make sure that, you know, we're not deficit spending. Right. So, but to get into like where now we're identifying dollar amounts to just go here, it just feels a little out of our scope. And I, I did feel an obligation to like say that. Um, is there any additional hands? Yeah. Yes. This is uh, Vice President Martinez. 
Yeah, I, I prepared this sheet just because I had questions. And um, thank you, Dr. Allen. I mean, you explained about the $6 million. That's very helpful. That's why I asked the question in the chart. And the reason I put this spreadsheet together was it was an easier way of, of uh, my identifying the questions and then still using, because I, uh, Chancellor Martin, I really liked your format in the March 7th meeting where you had mandatory recommended and options, because that helps us understand what's going on and that we can move things uh, as you have done in some of these already. Um, so that was one of the things I noted largely the things that are in green are where my questions are. Um, I noted that uh, there's uh, 2 million in OPEB from employee paychecks, but I understand that in line 3650 account 3652 there there may be more than's actually required and so as we are working on what we're going to do with opeb farther down the the line uh, on this chart i, I want to be mindful of all of the places where we see opeb so it's very transparent and clear to all of us and and these explanations really help and so i appreciate that um, uh, you'll see that uh, under elections, I have struck through that um, simply because I'm wondering if there's no election uh, next year. Is it, I understand, Dr. Alamin, you explained it's a, a matter of trying to balance so that we have enough in the off years to, to pay for the year that there is an election. But I'm wondering if in this year, it's just a question, if when we are faced with so many competing um, uh, expenditures that we really need to pay in facilities and in, and in, and our board-approved uh, enrollment management. We can't just bring students on campus without having a place to put them and without having the staff who can help them get to the places where they get to be put. And what I mean by that is classes. So part of that's this. And, and part of it's also because we approve the budget. We're signing our name to a document that says, I understand what I'm uh, um, approving. And, and that's the nature of these questions. Um, so uh, the next line that you'll see, uh, oh, the SERP was in the uh, March 7th. I think that um, it was originally listed March 7th as having a payment. Uh, and I believe it was paid off. Is that accurate? Uh, that is correct. So in the March 7th document, uh, without knowing how the student registration system uh, was going to play out with the RFP, uh, we were able to straddle it in either year because you could pay a SERP uh, this year or we could have paid it next year. But since the student registration uh, RFP uh, failed, uh, we did expense the SERP uh, in the current year. So we are done with it now moving forward. Great. So, so that's, uh, so that's a correct strikeout on that, in that, that line. Uh, and then program review in the 22-23 was a million dollars for both program review and professional development. But in the tentative budget, we have an item that is 5,283,378. And I broke them out because I remember, Chancellor, that you said there was an amount specific for program review, and I forgot what it was. So it was approximately 750000 for program review, and then the professional development uh, would be on top of that. So in okay. total, uh, it's approximately a million dollars. Okay. And I don't understand what the rest, and if you could break for the next, for, for our board meeting, if you could break that little bit of detail out so that we understand what that is. 
Uh, and then OPEB liability, we did pass that resolution. We have to uh, we have to wait for the study because we have to wait until the actuals are in in June. So I'm suggesting that we list it as an option, and I put a minimum amount in there as a just as a place a holder. Uh, I also understand that what accreditation asks us for is a plan to make sure that we are uh, doing what we need to do. And I have the um, ability to look at what other colleges are doing in a spreadsheet, and it shows it, it's all over the place in California. Some are 134% of what they need, and some are 0%, and some are worse off than us. And so it's just a question about that. Then down in student registration, uh, I believe that we approved that, and it was still in the options in the March uh, 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 report. I believe now it's a million dollars, and that's already in the budget now? Uh, that is going to be built into the budget, but based on the uh, request or the bids that we received, uh, we are looking at a potentially $2.5 million year one expense. Uh -huh. uh, so we will need to increase that. Okay, that's good to know. Uh, and then I broke down the um, new classified, classified trade staff facilities, IT, budget, and police in the way that I could understand them. And I don't know if this is accurate. And I don't know um, if any of these have a process similar to program review that they go through the PGC and if they've gone through that process or if they will go through that process after we approve this budget? Uh, certainly. So they have already gone through the process. For our classified positions, the process is outlined in our roles and responsibility handbook, uh, which calls for the individual departments to submit them through their program review. Uh, I believe that has been done. Uh, from there, uh, with classified positions, it is discussed at the cabinet level and then taken to uh, either VRG or discussion with the uh, labor representation. So I do believe for those 25 positions, uh, we have uh, them in our program reviews. Uh, they have been discussed at cabinet. Uh, we have worked with our SEIU, our local 39, and our buildings and trades and talked through those positions. Uh, so to my knowledge, they have gone through the process as outlined in its entirety. And, and I separated them out because if I, I believe that some of them are uh, really important to the folks on campus. Uh, for example, the, um, the, uh, the trades, um, the painter and the electrician, and I put them all in recommended because we as a board still need to, um, to understand and authorize the expenditure. And so they can move over to the other column of mandatory, but I wonder if there's wiggle room in any of these areas where instead of bringing on um, an entire group of people at the same time, uh, we bring in, we gradually bring people in. And I, I just don't know if that's an operations question that I'm direct asking you about. Um, and, and the other thing that uh, I think may happen is there may be a lag time, if, if I'm accurate, if I'm thinking about this accurately in the hiring of classified because it, position needs to be posted, there need to be interviews. Um, some of them may be civil service, uh, have civil service requirements. So um, I wonder if, this is going to be the eventual cost that are in 
all in the green in the recommended, but I'm wondering if any of the, there's any expectation that some of these maybe uh, may become smaller because of the extended hiring process and because uh, it may be more difficult to onboard everybody all at once. Sure. Uh, so just a question. And then I did have a question about the IT staff. We had talked uh, on the board about wanting to see not, um, not uh, what, what is it called? When you, there's classified to do the job, you, you hire, contract. Contract, not contracted out. Thank you. I was up at 4.30 this morning putting this chart together, so my brain's fried. Is that an, uh, the, the, the part that is for, the, to, to prevent the contracting out? No, that would be separate uh, and distinct. We did have a meeting, a very productive meeting with our SEIU labor partners yesterday, and we do hope to bring a item to the board uh, at the June 22nd meeting. But the the positions that were in the March 7th iteration of the budget framework mm -hmm. uh, were separate and focused on the student registration system and maintaining that long-term. Uh, the Oculus is a separate set of positions that will be coming forth here uh, in the coming weeks. So that's related to student registration, yeah. that, that those IT positions. The ones that were presented in the March 7th uh, document, yes, those Thank were related. You. It's good to know because that's a critical part of, of our work. Um, and then I separated some things with because um, there was a block. There was a thirteen million uh, six hundred sixteen thousand. Uh, I can't read read this nine hundred twenty five dollar uh, item for bringing back and reinstate full time faculty, part time faculty, classified and administration. Mm -hmm. And the question and the question I had, and you'll see, I, I uh, struck out reinstate full-time faculty because originally it was 42 people and I think we're down to 29. And uh, I put mandatory this in as mandatory in this column. And it's, this is not saying that everybody has to come back next year. It's just that the board did pass that resolution and that's a board priority. Um, and I, knowing that there, not everybody may return, I put just an arbitrary number to say maybe that will be, we won't be spending the the full amount. Then the other thing that I did is for uh, part-time faculty, um, I, I did something similar, just arbitrarily split, split this uh, just because we need the sections. And if we don't have enough faculty to offer the sections, we can't grow enrollment. Mm -hmm. It's related to uh, what we need to do there. And then with classified, I understand, and I put two different figures here. Um, the reason I put two different figures is in your original document, it said 37, but I believe there may be 25 positions outstanding. Is that an accurate understanding? Uh, I, I do not believe so. I believe that uh, the March 7th uh, document included uh, positions that were laid off or removed mm -hmm. from the budget. Uh, so I believe that 37 number uh, is still accurate. Okay. So I'll cross out the I'll cross out the other one. Uh, and the reinstate administrators, you talked a little bit about that. I didn't know if this figure was accurate. I just didn't know. So the 5.6 uh, in this document is accurate for what we plan to spend this year. And then in looking at the document, you have a little over 6 million. And I think that would be a, a reasonable increase based on uh, the associate vice chancellor of labor, the PIO, the positions that we just discussed. And and um, 
I sent a copy of this to so it could be posted, but um, and I'm taking notes, but any time uh, that you can help us clarify some of these things so we know what we're approving, it's very helpful. And I, I, I do really like seeing um, the format that you used. I listed all of the categories here. Uh, I didn't fill them all in because I wasn't concerned about all of them, just the ones I had questions about. So I, I thank you very much for doing that. And I don't know if anybody else, uh, any of the other trustees might have questions or comments. Uh, Chair Williams, uh, yeah. I do. And I will be quick because I'm not a member of this committee, but I do have some really quick questions. I, I just um, really want to thank you, Vice President Martinez, for putting this together. I think I need a little more time to kind of absorb this, but I, I also really appreciated those three categories of mandatory recommended and options and this breakdown that you're doing. And I had kind of worked on something similar um, when I was look, thinking about um, different student support services that we wanted to build on. And so I think I just wanted to um, go back to kind of understanding around direction for what we were presented with earlier. Is that the space? Is this the space to discuss? Um, is that built into the budget? Is that a like, conversation that needs to happen more? Because I would like the board to consider exploring how we can use some of the U fund to support some of the um, other categories that are restricted, such as for programs for DSBS, Emoja. So if you could speak to that. Uh, certainly, Trustee Chistin. I think the process would be for the board, and I know the work's already started in finalizing uh, the board goals and identifying at a, a policy level, what are some things that uh, the board would like to see implemented? Uh, are improved upon, and then it would be administrative's responsibility to develop a budget to meet those objectives. So I, I do think that it may be uh, crossing the line of operations if the board were to go into the budget and specifically cross out numbers and, and change numbers. Uh, really, it's developing the board expectations through the board goals, saying we want to see these things happen, and then it's administration's job to build the budget and report back to the board on how the budget will move those initiatives forward. Right, and I guess I think I'm thinking big picture in term. I, I guess I'm tying it more to the budget of we would like 1.5 million dollars to go to programs that help low-income students or like we could be as vague as that, but I think I want to know how we would, how we could move that process in tandem to the budget process, I think. I'll just so, jump in really quick, uh, Trustee Chisty, and just say for all the trustees, I think what we're discussing here is kind of getting a little out of our scope and we are not um, in the business of granting to specific programs. We're a policy-making body. So for us to say, okay, we're going to just pick a program and give them a specific amount of funding. I think there, as Chancellor Martin is indicating, is really kind of going uh, a little off the rails for our, like, our role, um, because we're not granting dollars to any specific group at City College. Thank you, Chair Williams. I understand that. I, I, I'm trying to frame it from a policy level and asking how we would do that with the budget process and we want to increase we can say we want to increase support for equity programs not a specific dollar yes. amount <laughs> so is is it as simple like we wouldn't so it wouldn't have a dollar amount so how how do we 
see that reflected? And at what point will we see that reflected? Uh, certainly. So it will uh, be reflected in the final budget presented on or before September 15th. And to use uh, the example from Chair Williams, if the board wanted to set a goal to uh, increase uh, support and services for disadvantaged students, uh, what you would see in the budget is increased uh, support for our student equity programs. Uh, that's yeah. something administration would do. And we would also potentially see uh, redirection of funds to programs and grants or, that specifically work towards supporting our disadvantaged students. So how do we build consensus with the board? Because right now, I, I don't know if this is just something that I want, and I don't want to be dictating and speaking for the rest of my members. So I think that's just it's a process question more. And I think it would go back to uh, the board uh, collectively approving their board goals and then ultimately holding uh, the administration accountable to developing the plan because the budget uh, is a plan uh, to move those goals forward. So that, I think, is the process. And if we look at the timeline, the board goals are developed uh, in the summer uh, for the next academic year or are finalized in the summer for the next academic year, which gives us the summertime all the way up to September 15th to make any budget adjustments to. Got it. Uh, show. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you. Thank you for that conversation. I just want us to continue to be aware of that. I know that um, there's also historical um, components to this to also keep into consideration because we're looking at a snapshot in time um, where a particular area may have different varying amounts over time. So I there's a lot of elements to this. That's why, again, I want to say I trust in our administration that we hire. We hire the chancellor to manage our implementation of our goals as a board. And um, there's so many logistics that go into each of these items. So um, I don't know if we have time for the other reports because we're at 531. Um, do you want to quickly... Does anyone have any questions or comments on? Trustee Williams, we do have yeah. public comment for this item. Okay, thank you so much, Linda. We'll take public comment now. Right, Susan Atwood. I was actually hoping that we would have time for the five-year one, but given that we don't, there's one comment I did want to make, which is that PGC budget has not had it on their agenda to discuss either one of these. So I wanna make that clear. At the last meeting, we had tentatively moved the next meeting to June 13th. Now, I know that Dr. Alamine wasn't able to be at that meeting, so maybe he didn't know it. He was saying there's no meeting in June. So I'm still hoping there is a meeting next Tuesday, the 13th, which would mean there could be PGC budget input before the board has to vote on the 22nd. That's my only comment I have given we don't have time left. Thank you so much. Is there another public commenter? No, that concludes public comment for this item. Okay, thank you so much. And uh, thank you all to my colleagues. Um, in terms of reports, uh, Chancellor Martin, do you wanna quickly walk us through? I know we're at 532 right now, but there's a number of um, reports left on the agenda. We can also move that to our next committee. Is there anything urgent? Uh, nothing, I think, uh, in respects to urgency, Chair Williams. Items uh, B and C uh, will be presented to the board at the June 22nd meeting. And the item D uh, is a presentation that uh, is 
can be deferred to a later date because it is uh, looking backwards at historical information for unearned revenues. Okay, so most so these can be moved to the next um, our next our next uh, committee meeting. Uh, I believe so. Yes. Okay. Okay. Great. Is there any trustee comments on any of the items? Is that okay if we move these to our next meeting, giving the time? Okay. Is there any future agenda items? Folks are welcome to just unmute if there's any future agenda items. Okay, hearing none, is there a motion to adjourn? So moved, second. I um, believe that was moved by Trustee Solomon, seconded by Vice President Martinez, is that right? I think so. All right, we'll do roll call. Linda on adjournment. Student Trustee Grant advisory vote. Aye. Chair Williams. Aye. Trustee Martinez. Yes. Trustee Solomon. Yes. The motion passes. Great. Thank you, everyone. We are adjourned at 534 p.m. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you.